What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, another week, another cold take that we have to expose here on the three down green cast by my uh, aggressively average co-host, John Fraser, as... (laughs) Now, this wasn't one that you missed on the podcast last week. There is still the possibility that he could have a cold take turn hot Based on that one, we'll get right. it in a second. But when I turned off the microphones last week, once I hit stop on record, we started talking about the World Series because John is, for some reason, a big Boston Red Sox fan. Massive and, Red Sox fan my whole life. so we started talking about it, and I said, I don't have any skin in this game. I, quite frankly, don't like either team that much. I just hope it's a good series, but I don't think it's going to be. Everything suggested is going to be a quick series for the Boston Red Sox. And you're like, no, no, no. Even though the Sox are up two nothing at this point, you said it would. The series is coming back to Boston, and well, once again, John, you were proven wrong. It, it, it's true, but that time, that was me trying to avoid jinxing my team. Right? It's the same as the thing that I just can't admit: the Bombers are a good football team. I can't say to you, oh yeah, no, you're right, Joel. They're totally gonna wrap this up in five games. It's it's over. You just can't do it. You can't put it out in the universe. But yes, add it to the cold take total. So that now means I'm at, what, 274 cold takes and one hot take? Maybe. I don't remember what that correct hot take would be. But uh, a broken it clock probably, is right twice a day, as the old saying goes, right? So there must be one in right. there somewhere along the line that you got right at one point or another. I just don't remember it. Maybe that was on uh, your previous podcast rather than this one. Oh, no, I have the coldest of takes on my previous podcast when I was with uh, the 2 and Out CFL podcast. Uh, the coldest of takes said the Riders will win two of the next three Grey Cups after they hired that. Chris Jones. I remember so. that one, yeah. I remember that one quite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that one is uh, still uh, icy, icy cold. Yeah, since that's uh, mathematically impossible now in year three of the Chris Jones era in Saskatchewan. But... You do still have a shot at one hot take turning out one that I, I'm still not super confident about at yes. this point. But you did still believe that the Calgary Stampeders could lose four games in a row to end the regular season. They lost last week again to your Bombers, so that's three. You're still in the running. 
They have a bit of an uphill battle this week for that to happen against a BC team with nothing really to play for, unless they really care about Wally Buono's last game in Vancouver. But we'll get into that a little bit later on as we talk about the playoff picture and uh, what's ahead for the Riders after another super game, another super, invent- you know, a really interesting game for the Riders in a lot of different senses. And I think y- y'all know what we're going to be talking about the bulk of this podcast, yeah. which was a systematic failure on every single level by the CFL when it comes to the Zach Caleros hit. Um, so to get into all of that, and I think to get us into the proper mindset to properly dissect this and probably torch the league for it, John, uh, what's in the glass this week? In the glass this week, uh, first off, uh, a big part because of the World Series and not because I'm an alcoholic, uh, I spent the gift card you got me from seeing your wedding, so thank you again, Joel, uh, on a large collection of craft beers and texted you the photo and said, if these are all gone by the time we podcast, um, you can check me into counseling. But World Series games, one going 18 innings. I was drinking beer the entire time. I've gone from having a lot of beer to not having very many beer. But one of the very many few beers that I do have left is uh, one of my favorites. It is a Rebellion IPA. Um, My three-year-old son Max likes it because it's got a cool monster on the can. And it is just hoppy and delicious. And I'm really starting to find, like, although I'm proud to be from Saskatoon, I enjoy being from Saskatoon, I have to say, the quality of craft beers coming out of Regina is just hit after hit after hit. Uh, mm-hmm. So I highly recommend if you're an IPA drinker. Uh, I know some people prefer the double IPA. Um, I've never tried it myself, but the single IPA from Rebellion, nice flowery cans, pops the eye out with Godzilla and a grain elevator. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of their classics. Uh, they retweaked the recipe a little bit ago, so it's even better now. Just one of those is classic old school hop bomb IPAs that you don't yes. find quite so much anymore. A lot more of bringing out the citrus flavors and that sorts of thing. But that one is definitely still the classic hop bomb and one of my go-tos. Uh, for me, I almost went with a Rebellion Oatmeal Stout, but I uh, wasn't really feeling a dark beer tonight for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. uh, for me, I am drinking uh, the Pile of Bones Session Ale, just a nice, easy drinking light ale for uh, what's going to be a, an interesting podcast. It, it, it really is. And uh, again, one of the two beers that you had at your rehearsal dinner party that I consumed a copious amount of. Oh boy, so tasty in my mouth. Uh, I can still feel the hangover. Someone else who probably can still feel the hangover right now might be um, Riders quarterback Zach Caleros. And it's oh. uh, not a happy hangover for him whatsoever. Not that there no. really is one per se, but his situation is far different than... Uh, having too many beer one night. As we all know the story at this point, it was late in the first quarter when Zach Caleros took a vicious headshot from Lions defensive end Odell Willis, and basically stuff hit the fan from there on every single angle that could have gone wrong on that play did. Um, There was originally no flag on the play. The Riders called timeout and waited and then challenged. Eventually there was the flag. And then it got even crazier as Zach Claros was allowed to continue in the game somehow, despite the fact that he clearly dropped to his knee, I believe, like twice yeah. in, in distress. Like, he wasn't there. He wasn't. He clearly was in some form of distress, whether it was a head injury, a neck injury. It doesn't matter. There was something clearly wrong with him that he was very in a lot of discomfort. And he was allowed to play two more plays, and the Riders eventually scored a touchdown on the run. And then he was finally pulled from the game, and... It just kept snowballing from there, and that basically was 
in a lot of ways, the conversation of that football game. And if you haven't read the piece yet, head to 3downnation.com, and I'm not just sucking up to the boss right now. <laughs> Drew Edwards scorched the league on Monday for their handling of everything that went on in that play and how it was just a complete systematic breakdown on every level. Um, I touched on it a little bit in my post-game piece as well, where I, om- I basically went to the point where saying someone should maybe lose their job over this. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because if the NFL can fire an official in the middle of the season, this seems like something where that spotter should face some kind of consequences for this. Because if there was ever a play in the history of football where clearly an injury spotter should have pulled a player from the game, it was this one. Yes, Zach Caleros has to have some fingers pointed at him as well for not speaking up if he was feeling it. And the team certainly deserves some fingers pointing at it as well for maybe not doing it themselves. But there is one person who it is their job to spot these things and pull them out, and they didn't do it. As they say, you had one job, and you didn't do it. Yeah, and what <laughs> you're right. They, got, they absolutely have to lose their job. Well, these people are anonymous. Uh, the concussion spotter should totally and, and absolutely lose their job. Um, as a guy, uh, a bit of my background, I've alluded to it a little bit on this podcast when I'm talking about concussions. Um, I had several when I was playing hockey. Um, I can tell you that the state Zach Kolarosin, 100% he was concussed. I, I don't blame Zach Kolaris for staying in because I can tell you he's a guy that's had I mm-hmm. once had a head injury to the point that I didn't remember my entire third period of a hockey game yeah no idea I had no idea what I had done I came back to the dressing room and scolded my teammates for getting undressed and we haven't won the game yet what are you guys doing <laughs> turns out I I had been in goal for the entire third period and apparently made seven or eight saves um it's just you just get up. You don't know. Your mind is not there. Your mind is not right. Um, but when it hits you, man, I, I, I hangover, Joel, is the best way to describe it. Imagine the worst hangover you've ever had in your life. Ugh. And now imagine that feeling from a head injury. I, mm. And I can tell you that that is, oh, God, that is, I, I don't know. It's 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 terrifying. Like, it's just, I, I absolutely hate even thinking about it. Think about my past and... I wondered when the CFL announced that, okay, this concussion spotter is going to be a thing. My question was, is somebody really going to have the balls to pull out a quarterback after being hit when his team has a chance to win a football game? And in this spotter's case, it is painfully clear that they did not have the cojones, they did they were not willing to do their job, do what's best for the player, and pull Caleros out because I can guarantee you, he didn't want to hear the boos of thirty-three thousand strong in Rider Nation. Well, it, in clarification and how the spotter works, I read an article somewhere today about how they're yeah. they're actually in uh, command center in Toronto. They're not oh, in the okay. stadium. Um, they they have access to all the angles that TSN provides, even the ones they don't broadcast, and they have access to the all-24 view as well, so they can see the whole field at once. There was really no excuse for missing this. Yeah. Um, I do believe that one way to improve this is to actually have people physically in the stadium, because even if you have all the camera angles, there's still a chance you might miss something, and that might have been what happened here. It might have taken them too long to get the angle. If they were in the stadium... They could have seen there was a headshot right away and then ultimately right away 
watch Zach Caleros and see that clearly this guy was in some kind of distress and should have been removed from the game. Now, I know well, well, I know there are some comments online on, on the story that Drew wrote about, oh, a bunch of doctors on Twitter here. And okay, fairness, we don't really know what he was like in that point in time. But the point is that's the whole thing. The spotter is supposed to remove a player who may be in distress and remove yeah. them so they can get properly evaluated at that time. Yeah, because one of the worst things you can ever do and again, everybody's trying to play doctor on Twitter and, oh, it's hard-nosed football. And I get it. Ten years ago, we had no clue what getting rattled does to your brain. Absolutely. I can, I can tell you with my own struggles with not only mental health and post-concussion syndrome, you know, there's, there's a really good chance that came from my brain being absolutely scrambled five or six times when I was 15 or 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no doubt in my mind it's all interconnected. Yeah. My brain doesn't work right, and I'm a grown-ass man. Is that? Can I prove that's connected to getting knocked the F out four or five times when I was young? Probably not. When I'm dead, can they prove it? Maybe. I don't know. It's... There's enough anecdotal evidence that you could suggest that everything that's wrong with you could be tied to this. Some, exactly. of, it, some of it, anyway. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, all jokes aside, though, but I mean, here I am. I suffer from memory loss, yeah. short-term memory loss. I suffer from anxiety. I have all sorts of a laundry list of issues. And I had I went through my last concussion was as simple as running into somebody at a, at a rec hockey game. And I don't rec hockey game. Me and another guy collided. And every time my heart rate got up, I saw black spots for six months. Yeah. And got a headache and felt miserable and was a complete and utter crazy person. Like I just I was not myself for six months. And that's why they brought in these spotters. Because your first instinct is, as anybody that's played any sport at any level, pro, junior, hell, even if it's only rec league, mm-hmm. your first instinct is, I got to get up. I got to be there for the boys or girls. I got to be there. I, I got to get up. I got to finish. I, that's what I have to do. Yeah. And, well, and, that, and, that, and that's why in this scenario, like I, while I said a few fingers should be pointed at Zach Caleros and Chris Jones and the medical staff at the time, you understand where they're coming from in the moment where... Yeah. The, the odds of that actually happening are low. I'm not going yeah. to blame a player for wanting to stay in the game. I would applaud a player in that situation who says, you know what, I'm not quite right and pulled himself from the game. He might take some heat from some Neanderthals out there, but from my side, I'd be like, you know what, you did what's right for you. I know that it sucks for the team in the moment, but they'll get over it and they'll yeah. understand in the long run. Oh, your teammates would understand all day long, but, but you brought up the good point of... This is like any fan base, especially an older one, like in the CFL, mm-hmm. you know, let's face it. I mean, we could get into that discussion why the, the CFL fan base is, is aging and generally older and guys like you and I in our thirties are in the minority, but older guys like that, it was some smelling salts and rub some dirt on it and you're okay. It, that attitude comes up and it's disgusting. I have to stay off CFL Twitter when that comes up because it's just it, it's infuriating with the own struggles I've had. Mm-hmm. And like I'm not even talking about playing impressive levels of high. I played friggin' minor hockey and this happened to me. Like it's just it's it's absurd and it's frustrating and it's so archaic. And you're right. I would give a standing O and I, I can guarantee you every guy in that dressing room would give a standing O if Caleros had, had had gone to the sidelines and said, I'm not right. But the scary part is that's a that's a sign that you are concussed. Mm-hmm. is you don't know you're not right. Oh, no, absolutely, your, yeah, no, yeah. Your body goes on some sort of really, like, again, as a guy that's been through it, 
I played an entire third period of a hockey game, didn't get scored on as a goaltender, not knowing where the hell I was. Like, that might say something to the caliber of hockey out in North, Northwestern Ontario, but, you know, outside <laughs> of that, um, it's, it's, and that's, that's again why the, the spotter is here and, and that's their job. And again, I'm with you. The fact that I thought, I assumed this person was in, was in the building. I was a little busy at work. I, I, I wasn't able to really read about it, mm-hmm. but I assumed this pe- person was in the building because, you know, what you've been in the building for a lot of football games. I've been in the building for a lot of football games. I'm sure our listeners have been in the building for a lot of football games. When a guy's hurt, you just, this air gets sucked out of the room. Yeah. And you can just tell a guy's hurt. It's this weird sixth sense feeling you know oh geez he is down that guy should be in the room like that, that guy should be in the building <laughs> like it, it's the easiest way to tell it i mean if 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 you can get chris cuthbert and rod black and, and rod smith every angle on a monitor you know have this guy hang out in a booth someplace give him a tv let him have a monitor if he wants let him pull a terry jones and sit in his own personal chair down below the bowels of the stadium and watching his own personal tv monitor TSN sets up for him like like let's if Terry Jones can do it let's do it for the concussion spotter like uh, and and the officials to miss that call yeah like, well I, I I will while it's bad and it's and like Andre Pru's the only guy looking at the quarterback at that time and things happen really fast so I give them a slight break it's obviously absolutely a play that should have been called but this, like, but the mistake is not nearly as glaring as the spotters, as far as I'm concerned. No, no, no. And the other, the other mistake here too, Joel, is remember when they said that you're going to have this this off field official that's that that's able to call something into the guys and and everybody was all up in arms about that. What, nothing seems to have happened with that. Like that, that you know, they, they only to seem like to be perfect. willing. They only, that only seems to come into play on like minor things, like false starts and offsides and ball placement and that sort of thing for whatever reason. It seems which like on is, challenge. Is, it seems like on challengeable plays. It's I don't know if it's in the written in the rule that way, but on challengeable plays, it seems like they're not really involved. Which is which is ridiculous in itself. You, oh, absolutely, you, yeah. So now you have you have the on field officials who I'm with you. This was not Andre Pru's fault. Things that happen at full. We have the benefit of of like I am right now. I am less than five feet away from a 55 inch high def television. Yeah. That I can slow down, I can pause, I can watch some TSN replays. Andre Pru doesn't get that, okay. Yeah, so he, let's, he let's will see. make a mistake. He made a mistake, and I'm sure he would admit that he made a mistake, and that will show in his report card, and he will face whatever consequences that come of that. But, it, yeah, it ha- football is so fast now. It happens so fast, and, yes, it's head jerk, but your head jerks and you get hit in the chest, too. So, it, it, <laughs> like, you, it, you, exactly. you can't know exactly 100% all the time. My bigger problem with how the flag came about was more so around the challenge rules that Chris Jones basically had to use his only challenge on this because yes. they, made, they changed the rule last year, which I think was a good change at the time to one challenge per game. I, but I think... I would agree. I, I think they need to tweak it, and I thought this for a while now. It should be okay. They got the kind of the the fishing expeditions are more or less gone unless you only have one challenge left and a minute left in the game and you're desperate for something, which at that point, whatever. Which is fair. Yeah. Yeah. So the fishing expedition is basically gone, my theory for the challenges, and this would help Chris Jones in the scenario, is as long as you're right, why can't you keep challenging? Right, and and, and it's almost like what the NFL does. Yeah, well, you the NFL, you get two rights, you get a third one. Exactly. And which, you're and you're unlikely no to challenge more than two plays in a game, anyway. 
Really? Exactly. And, and, and you're absolutely right. And if, and, and like, like you said, if the rules in place and if you get one wrong, you're done. Um, you are still going to get rid of the fishing expeditions. The only one that worries me on, on a rule like that would be, you know, you'd see the guys willing to throw it on a 50, 50 catch in the first quarter while guys are maybe keeping that in their pocket and letting the game flow. Well, that's, that's what I mean. If you're wrong, you're done. But if you're right, why can't you keep challenging? No, you're absolutely right. I, I do think, I think a lot of the blame too needs to fall on that off-field official. Magic, mysterious, you know, um, dealer no deal character that allegedly sits and watches the game and can call things in. Like, like if, if you're serious about this, like. How does that person not have the ability to call down and say, "Yeah, hey, Andre, I know that was full speed, but man, that guy got that guy got hit in the head." Mm-hmm. Like that is something that the league needs to eliminate in, in the term of concussions and the fact that you have a guy whose job it is to to be the second line of defense for the officials, either unable or unwilling to make that call, is another part of the, as you said, total systematic failure of of what was that hit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, like, it, it poked a lot of holes in a system that, while has been improving, clearly shows it still has a long ways to go. And a lot of people are questioning the fact as to why Odell Willis was even still in the game after that. And that comes down to the fact that there isn't really the tools in place unless he happened to punch Zacharos in the head or they felt that there was, you know, he had intent. There was really nothing else they could have done besides eventually give him the 15-yard penalty. There was, there's no real right. mechanisms in place. There's no targeting rule like there is in the NCAA to eject a player for that. Now, should that be a rule? I think so. I think there. I think if you really want to change the game in that regard, you will then punish players and teams stronger than just a 15-yard penalty. As bad as that is, if the BC Lions lose Odell Willis for the rest of that game, that changes a lot of things. That changes a lot of thinking in a player's mind. Well, and you're absolutely right. I mean, look, the NFL essentially instituted that. No, the NFL, the NFL, the, the NFL went a step too far with some of the ones they called earlier in the year, but regardless, yeah. Right, but they seem to have figured it out now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. you know, players, I think the NFL did a, did a very good job of identifying that, listen, you go head on head with a guy, you're gone. You got to, and, and you're absolutely right, Joel, in the preseason and some of the early NFL games, it was just, just it was an utter disaster but i think that utter disaster taught guys to play the game a little bit differently you're seeing and again i'm i'm also a vikings fan and i can tell you there was some there's been some really questionable calls go in favor of my minnesota vikings this season but you're starting to see now guys that'll get to a quarterback and bear hug him Mm -hmm. i mean and the officials are doing a good job of, of the quick whistle so you know, to me, it's working in it's working in a professional league that and I can't think of him. And, and I know you're a Steelers guy. We both watch a lot of NFL ball. I can't think off the top of my head, and normally you can, of any real scary head injury like moments from this season. Like, I, I mean, there's always going to be injuries, but I can't think of any of those hits that you watch on the highlights on Sunday night and go, oh, my God, did he die? Yeah. I think if it's working in the NFL, which some could argue, I mean, yes, you're not going a yard off the ball. Yes, you're not getting the running start. Some will argue it's faster. Um, 
which it is. I mean, the athletes are generally faster. I mean, but CFL, I, I, I love it to death. I prefer the brand of football, and I'll be the first to say that. But uh, if it's worked down there, why can't it work up here? And, and that, to me, needs to not fall on the on-field officials. No. I don't think that's, that's a decision that needs to be fully made by your on-field officials because, again, if a call is missed or something, but you have this mystery man, the banker sitting in a back closet someplace that's able to make these calls, that should be their job. Okay, Odell, that was head-on-head, head, although I believe from watching that replay there was no intent. No, I'll say not, no. I mean, Odell Willis has had a very long career in the CFL and I don't think is known as a dirty player. I don't think anybody would consider him a dirty player. Every every player with a career that long in defense is going to have one or two hits that make you wince, but I, I just think that if they adopt the NFL rule and you press it hard in the, in the preseason and you you press it hard in the first few weeks of the regular season, maybe some of this goes away. It's entirely possible. And I agree with you completely that I don't, I don't, there wasn't any intent on Odell Willis's part. I don't think he's not seen as that kind of guy. Um, for the most part, I bet if you if you put together a spreadsheet of like all of Odell Willis's penalties throughout his career, a vast yeah. majority of them are probably just offside. Because that's what he's known for. <laughs> yeah, he's known for exactly. going offside. He's not known for throwing collision-worthy, very dirty hits. He's just generally offside. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> and it brings up it brings up the interesting point that I read in the Regina Leader Post today, which uh, today on Tuesday, as they have a, a pretty interesting column every week from former writers GM Brennan Tamman, and he, you know, he talked about all the points that we talked about to this point, but he also, but he led it to the point of isn't Odell Willis really the villain here? And he went on to say, you know, there's nothing personal against Odell; he's not known for this, and blah 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 blah. I'm like, okay, yes, I see to a point that yes, Odell really is the culprit here because he delivered the hit. But what's, 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 there's no use in really getting angry at Odell because he faced the consequences that he could face within the system as it currently is. And as of tonight, recording on Tuesday night, I believe later in this week they will probably announce that he will have a fine against him, and that will be that. We move on. The real, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the topic and the discussion and the issue, and maybe not the villain, so to speak, in this, but... You know, assist. Uh, you know, a byproduct of the villain is everything else that happened afterward. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and no, you're you're absolutely right. Like the leagues have need to come out with a statement and to correct on what happened. It's just the whole thing's a gong show. Absolutely. The whole thing's a complete gong show, and I, I hope I hope at every level the league learns from it. They, they, they should, and I, I, I you know, we've, we've harped on the league a lot for this today, but I do think the league will learn from this, and they will, pr- they will hopefully make some adjustments to make sure that such a massive failure doesn't happen again. So where this leaves us now is where does this leave the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? And there's still a chance that they could have two bye weeks in a row, depending on what happens mm-hmm. this week between Calgary and BC, which right now probably and could be... hot tag is right. Yeah, which and that could be a really good thing for this team right now because we saw the rest of that game without Zach Caleros, where they only allowed Brandon Bridge to attempt, I believe, like eight nine passes, and he had fewer yards than Zach Caleros had in a quarter. And you know, we've talked a lot about the offense in this of this team this year, and you know, can they win a playoff game without him? Is that the, that's the question now? If he can't go. Is this whole season that's looked relatively promising at times, especially the last couple of weeks, is it down the tubes? And is are they one and done without Zach Caleros? 
Uh, possible John Fraser cold take alert? Absolutely. I think without Zellaros, they're absolutely one and done. Like, Brandon Bridge has regressed to the point I don't think he could have started on my flag football team where I was the backup. Um, he just he doesn't look good. His confidence is obviously shaken. Uh, they don't seem to drop a set of plays for him. Uh, it, oh. I'm going to go on the record and say if Caleros cannot start, which, again, going back to my history of head injuries, I don't think you can possibly tell me that a person that's had his third head injury in about five months should or could start next week. Um, even in three weeks' time, two weeks' time, I mean, I don't, I don't think he should. I don't think he will. And I, I really think even with the double bye, I think we've seen the last of Zach Caleros this season, just based on three head injuries in five months. I know the defense is great. The defense is, is, is great. They've had a few off games. But, if a Brandon, but that defense on a Brandon Bridge-led team is going to be absolutely exhausted because it's just going to be, again, to name drop my own podcast, it's going to be two and out after two and out after two and out after two and out. They can't get anything going. I, I, I think the wind would be completely sucked out of Mosaic. Like, if you come out New Mosaic, and they're playing the Bombers. Winnipeg scores early. Even if they don't score early. Winnipeg scores early. You watch Brandon Bridge go out there. And, and if Cameron Marshall can't repeat what he did with 150 yards, which I, I think Winnipeg would be very keyed on, his uh, his running attack, and I, I think they'll be able to limit him. I I I I see Mosaic Stadium being very quiet. I see Mosaic Stadium not being sold out, and I see the Riders being one and done. Zach Caleros, although nowhere near what he used to be, we have seen some flashes of it. Is a good game manager and can lead them to a victory, and I would pick the riders over my own favorite team. That's this isn't a reverse jinx. This is me using my brain as a football guy with Zach Caleros without their one and done, no matter who they play, whether that's the West final, whether that's the West semifinal, I just, I can't see a scenario in which they win without Zach Caleros. I can, I, I still can. I just, because I am from what I've learned from this season, if anything is to never count this team out. They have always found a way to win football games that they have no business winning, and there's no reason to believe that that couldn't happen again. Now, I'm not saying I would necessarily lean that way. I'm not saying what you're saying is completely untrue, but I'm, not, I'm never willing to count this team out no matter the circumstances. And, you know, if they do get the running game going, if the defense gets going, if the special teams get going, I mean, it's certainly entirely possible, and... You know, we're, we're, we're talking hypotheticals here because we, we don't really know what the status of Zach Caleros is and they have no right. reason to tell us anything this week because they're on a bye week this weekend. So I don't expect any information this week. And if, and, BC, and we, do and if BC does beat Calgary, I don't expect any information next week. So really, nope. we could go two weeks of radio silence, at least on the front of Zach Caleros, and we won't have a clue what's going on. And maybe he does play. I know you're convinced because of your head injuries that... You know, he, he might not play, maybe he shouldn't play, and that very well could be the case, but, you know, everyone's different. Maybe he does recuperate in time. It's not out of the realm of possibility because he has come back twice this year to head injuries already. Maybe, 
maybe he'll be okay. You, you, just, you just don't know how one human being will react to something compared to someone else. Like, your own circumstances don't, aren't, you know, transferable to everyone. Right. No, yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's why, the, from where I speak, is from a guy that's had lingering issues. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe Zach bounces back way quicker than my soft noodle brain. Um, <laughs> you're right. I, I mean, I, I speak, uh, and again, and I think I've explained it through this podcast, the, where I come from on the issue because of what I've been through. Um, and I am obviously heavily biased because of that. I, I make the assumption that I went through this, so obviously Claris must be going through this. And How the hell could he possibly play? How the hell could he possibly want to play? in three weeks' time, you know, risking his long-term health, right? I, I just, yeah, you're right. He might be fine. He might be the kind of guy that can, that can, you know, take some smelling salts, rub some dirt on it, and doesn't have a soft, mushy brain like I do. Um, I honestly believe that they have, if they're not the favorite at this point, I would at worst call them a co-favorite for the Grey Cup with Zach Caleros. I just, I just don't see what Brandon Bridge. I just, I, I don't. Oh, that that's entirely fair. You know, that's that's another point. I I think they're capable of winning a playoff game that way. If Claros is by chance done longer term, can they win two three games? Uh, probably not. I don't. The defense would have to be stupendous beyond belief for three games in a row, which is hard to which is hard to ask of that, especially this time of year. Once you have a whole season of wear and tear on you, that's hard to ask. But I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But I would be stunned. I would be stunned. Now, Trent, Dilf- Trent Dilfer's got a Super Bowl ring, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you, you, you did bring up one interesting comment that I wanted to touch on a little bit in the middle of your talk there what, on the status and with Brandon Bridge, and that's the game not being sold out. And we've already seen, you know, the rallying begin to try to sell tickets for this game. As if you remember in 2013, the last time the Riders hosted a home playoff game, their West semifinal game against BC was the lowest attended game of the year. Lower than the preseason game, which means absolutely nothing. And we've already seen the team's director of marketing making the rounds in local media, trying to drum up people to say, hey, come buy tickets for this game, whether it's especially over this week, you should get them now, or you know, at least think about it for this week or next, depending on what's going on, because we need your support and blah, 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 blah. I'm not getting into all that, but... It speaks again, and this is a conversation that's been going on league-wide forever, and it came up on the three-down chat that we have, a little group chat we have with some three-down contributors, um, because I brought up the point that uh, before the game last week for the Riders against the BC Lions, a game where they had a chance to clinch their first home playoff game in five years, uh, I was told before the game by someone that they had barely scratched 30,000 tickets sold, which isn't a bad number. Like League-wide, it's pretty good. But that's still a game you probably should be selling out under most circumstances. And they barely scratched 30. Based on what I saw, I'm not sure there's actually any people there. So they probably papered it a little bit to get over that number. Oh, and walking up to the stadium because it was windy and kind of miserable a little bit before the game started. They didn't have any of the pregame tailgate stuff out. So this leads to the usual question. Why are we playing regular season games at this time of year? We shouldn't be. We absolutely should not be. If, I mean, if, if I get it that, that back in the day, and this is, I think, where a lot of the sentiment comes from, that, oh, yeah, no, 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 football has to be tough, and rubble, rubble, rubble. Um, 
back in the day, your only other options were listening to the game on the radio with friends, which you don't see anything. You have no visual stimuli or watching a normal, probably a 36 inch old tube TV where if that, you know, big. yeah, exactly. If you were lucky you had a 36 inch tube TV, um, maybe one of your buddies had a big screen. You could go over to his house, right? In today's day and age, there are three high definition TVs in my house right now. Um, again, I'm sitting five feet away from my pride and joy, my 55 inch high def TV in my basement. So the thought of me, again, guy in his thirties, I can't take my three-year-old to a playoff game. It's too damn cold. Yeah. He just would not enjoy himself. Um, my wife does not want to go to a playoff game when it's too damn cold. Okay. So now I am left with the option of going myself or left with the option of settling onto my couch. Like I am now turning on my high def TV. I can see my beer fridge from here. In fact, during the middle of this podcast, I went and grabbed a pile of bones, cranberry kettle sour. Yeah, it wasn't subtle. We definitely heard it. Oh, <laughs> it's true. But how, but how quick did that take? Right. I didn't have to, I didn't have to get a beer vendor. I didn't have to get anything. I just walked over to my beer fridge that I wanted a curling bonds spiel and away we go. And the good beer. beer isn't sold out before the game even starts. Exactly. Exactly. It's because white IPA is magical. And we've already discussed that several times. Um, I think to stay relevant because of the entertainment options and the affordability now of such high quality television and the way the game has changed the angles you have now, the high def in it and everything you have access to. I absolutely think that the league is doing itself a disservice by not moving the schedule up. And mm. I don't care. This isn't about toughness. You shouldn't have to be tough to be entertained. Nobody makes you go to a rock concert and say, oh, by the way, we're going to turn the thermostat up to 120 here so you can sweat it out and see how long you last. Like, that's what you sound like right now when you say be tough and go to a football game. Yeah. Like, just think about that. Like, to be entertained, you have to put yourself through a little bit of hell in preparation. Well, alternatively, you can sit on your ass on the couch, drink all the beer you want and enjoy. Um. I would like to see the. I would like to see. Honestly, I think we should be doing a Grey Cup preview episode this week. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, and and, and let's be clear. Like we, I understand when this. Every time this conversation comes up, there is a lot that needs to be sorted out for this to happen. You know, TSN obviously has to be on board. Um, right. Say yes to two broadcasters in 2021. Um, that would help. Yeah. Um, so there's that. There's, you know, where does the draft fall after? There's a lot of other things that need to be sorted out. So this isn't simply just moving the schedule up a month and everything else continues on as is. There's there's a lot right. of moving parts to this. But I think as a grand discussion, it's one still that needs to be had because by far and large, the CFL is still a great gate-driven league. The TSN money is yep. nice right now, but they still need more money on top of that, especially the teams that are still losing money with that pretty decent TSN money. Yeah. So... They need, they need, and yes, we know there's still a chance for terrible weather in October as we see it. But I think, you know, far more people are probably more likely to spend a little bit of money, at least, you know, at least, you know, maybe not families and stuff, but far more people are probably more likely to spend money to go sit for, in lousy weather for a Western final than they are a regular season game. Well, right? well, and, and then, and, so yes, the weather could still be miserable, but at least all of your regular season games should be played under fairly decent conditions that will allow more people to want to come out to games, which not only helps your finances, makes the league look better, 
Because when you're watching, if you're a casual fan deciding whether you want to go to a game or not, and all of a sudden you're watching a game yeah. late in the year, it's the biggest game of the year, and it's the team's smallest crowd of the year, you're thinking, what kind of league is this? What's going on here? You know? Yeah, and you're and you're absolutely right. I mean, and a good example is let's look back to your wedding weekend. It was cold. It was miserable. It was raining. But if that was a playoff game, I think people still attend. Now, on the other side of the coin, the Saturday after your wedding, beautiful day. Yeah. Beautiful. Like a 12 degrees and sunny. That's exactly what you want. You know, if, if you if you have to throw a couple of hoodies on under your under your green and white jersey. Great. That's the way it should be. I've been an advocate of this um, since I've had a platform to be an advocate of this. And I just think it's silly that and I'm with you. I get it. There's a ton of moving parts, but I think there's easy solutions to all that. Um, I mean, maybe the and maybe the CFL draft becomes more like the NFL, uh, the N, uh, pardon me, the MLB draft that you don't really see guys that are drafted until maybe late in the season, until next season. Uh, maybe that's a part of it, but uh, I just I, I I just think it's silly that the that the league at some point, whether whatever TSN says, I mean. To me, again, here I am gushing over my basement setup. If you give me the option to be outdoors on a beautiful May, June, July night watching football in the best football stadium in arguably North America, the best outdoor football stadium in North America, I'm taking that every day of the week. I am taking that every day of the week. If my options are right now, well, when I left for curling tonight at about 6 o'clock, it was three degrees outside or sitting again with a cozy blanket and a hoodie on, I'm going to take that any day of the week. So I, I, again, it's, it's, it's funny that again, the teams least attended games and I, and this, this is a league wide thing anywhere that's outdoor. The league, yeah. the, the, they're, they're drawing worse than preseason games. Yeah. You need to look in the mirror and fix it. And, and, uh, and, and people talk just, about, well, if you can, you, you move the season up, let's say three weeks you're, you know, you could have more games against the NHL playoffs. So, so what? So you maybe, maybe you're in Winnipeg and there's a bomber game. One bomber game early in the year is affected by a, you know, a Jets game late in, you know, the Jets Stanley Cup final game and no one shows up. Yeah, that looks bad, but at least it's week two. It's not no one showing up to a game in week 20. But even with, even with that, like, I can tell you as a guy that went to a Jets playoff game, the price of a Jets playoff ticket, what I paid... I'm doing that once, yeah. like, and I make some pretty decent coin, and I'm doing that once. Um, or if you got to be, have some flexible scheduling. It's pretty easy. Put the schedule out. If you're Winnipeg, if you're Toronto, if you're Ottawa, <laughs> not Ottawa. You're not worried about that. Cal- I I know. That's why I laughed. Um, if you're any Canadian team, put out flexible scheduling. If there's a Stanley Cup playoff game at 7 p.m on a Saturday flex your game to three. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Like, cause I know I can guarantee you. And again, me as a sports fan, me as a lover of the Winnipeg blue bombers and Winnipeg jets. When I went to Winnipeg for that playoff game, had I had the option to go to a bomber game, then to the jets game, <laughs> you're absolutely right. I would have taken that 10 times out of 10. Hmm. Like, it's just a matter of just, like, using your head. Like, it just, this all seems so simple, and I get it. There's so many moving parts, but, like, as a fan, as, as, a, as a podcaster, I get so frustrated that you can't just, like, use some <laughs> GD common sense and go, okay, 
why don't we just schedule the games to not run against playoff games? And what's your worst-case scenario for the CFL and you do that? The worst-case scenario would be an all-Canadian Stanley Cup final. <laughs> last, last time I checked, last time I checked, you would still have eight right now, nine very soon other cities that aren't impacted. Like, that are completely not impacted. Like, what's going to be worse for your gate? The fact it's minus 10 outside and for your playoff game and nobody's buying tickets? Or the fact that a hockey game might be on down the street, that it's 400 bucks a pop for lower bowl tickets? I would say it's the latter, not the former. Yeah. Yeah, and again... I'm, I, 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 am, I, am, I am oddly angry tonight. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's fun. It's always good when you're angry. So one one fan base we don't know how they will react to the weather yet is the potential new one out in the Maritimes in Halifax. It seems like another key hurdle has been passed there as we take a little bit of a look around the league right now. And the question is, so okay, it seems like, and you want to talk about this a little bit, that there is actually, you know, we're a step closer to a stadium in Halifax which would create balance across the league, which creates a whole other new scheduling thing that I'd love to get into at one point in time because I think it could really solve this East-West talk that we always have. But anyway, like this this, this is the closest we've ever gotten, and I still think we need to temper our expectations and literally, I think, until they actually kick off a football in Halifax. But yeah. this is still, you know, some noteworthy sort of positive news for this league. Well, I think the, the Halifax fight in Lobsters... Um... The only the only thing holding a team from being out to like let's face it if if anybody in Atlantic Canada had a facility this it'd be done already mm-hmm. you know you've now got some real money behind it um, I think this league desperately needs a tenth team and I am salivating at the possibility and I would love to see the league do this one week maybe it's Labor Day maybe it's maybe it's to open your season could you imagine? Five different football games, five different time zones, a full day of football across Canada. How cool would that be? Oh, I, I talked about that on Twitter during, during one of the triple headers. I think it'd be great. Yeah. Now they'd probably have oh. to call you to do play-by-play because I don't know if there's enough guys. But then again, if they're on two networks, that solves the problem. It's, it, it's true. <laughs> or or you're absolutely right. Um, or I just come out of retirement and do the thing I've always wanted to do, and I'm better than certain people that are currently doing it at their jobs. So... Again, yeah, no, I'll make that hot take right here. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I can say I, I think it'll be great for the league. Uh, I like to see, from my understanding, I read I read the article on our website. From my understanding, it looks like they're, they've approved where the where the stadium can go, and I look forward to uh, making the trek out to Halifax for a game one day. I'm really optimistic. I think there's a great fan base out there, and again, just the possibility of being able to go. Halifax all the way to BC it's just it is it is so friggin cool that uh, I hope it happens and it looks like it's going to happen and I can't wait for the official announcement especially because let's face it Joel perhaps the best party at every single great cup I've been to has been the unnamed Atlantic team party um, I remember getting real zesty as I call it and having a lobster roll stuffed into my mouth hole uh, at the 2013 Grey Cup, and just for that reason alone, you deserve a team. And uh, I think we're going to leave it at that.
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.